Hey, this is John Huseman. I'm the pastor of the Ark Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith, and I hope it draws you closer to God. Enjoy the message. You brought your Bibles today. You can turn to Matthew chapter 3. And um, what I want to talk about is what do you do when it's not one thing going on that you don't like in your life? There's 10 things. You feel overwhelmed, not about one thing. It's 10. It's financial stress. It's kids stress. It's relationship stress. The company needs a little bit extra And you made this goal to start off the brand new year and you were going to do this hobby or this hobby. And you're like, I I haven't had time to do any of that. And it's not one thing coming at you. It's 10 things coming at you. So what do you do when you're in that kind of a situation? And so I'm going to teach you what I feel like God is is teaching me. And so we're looking at the story where where Jesus was baptized. So we're going to start reading in uh, verse 13. It said, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. There's a couple of interesting things just in this portion of scripture. The first one is um, Jesus said it's proper to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus himself said, I got to be baptized. Jesus himself said, if I'm going to do everything that God has asked me to do, I have to be baptized. That it's a step that it's a springboard, that Jesus has not done any miracles up to this point. He hasn't done any uh, ministry. Not everybody knows that he's the son of God. They do now. (laughs) He got baptized, heaven open. God Almighty says, this is my son. So everybody knows now, but up to this point, it's not known. So Jesus said, I had to do this to step into everything that God has for me. So all of you that got baptized today, I'm praying this is just a springboard. It's a step into the goodness of God, into the fullness of God, into the plans and the purpose that he has for you. I remember being baptized when I was 17. Actually, I got asked to be baptized younger. My my younger brother got baptized before me. And so he's four years younger. My parents said, would you like to be baptized? And I said, no, he will hold me under the water. I can tell he's given me now. No, he didn't. But I just wasn't ready. I wasn't living for God. But when I was 17, I rededicated my life to God. And I can see now it was a step and a step and a step and a step. So I'm just believing that this is a springboard for you to step into whatever it is that God has for you. I don't know what it is. Maybe some of you will become preachers and ministers and and full-time staff people. Like, I don't know. Maybe you'll begin to, to make a difference in your family, in your friends or in your business. I don't know, but I believe Jesus says, this is what we have to do to fulfill all righteousness. So it's interesting. God could say anything he wants to say about Jesus. And this is one of two places that God ever says anything about Jesus. And he says the exact same words. And we're just going to take a look at these words, because I think as you're dealing with not one thing, but 10 things, this is good for you to know. 
Jesus is about to deal with a lot of stuff. Jesus has to recruit a team, teach them that he is the Messiah, get them to learn about how to do things God's way, pray for people, heal people, teach them how to start churches. He's got to die, get resurrected, and then he's going to let them go start churches and spread the gospel throughout the whole world. And he's got three years to do it. So he doesn't have like one thing. He's got 10 things. And so God kind of sees and knows what's ahead of Jesus. And he's like, I want to make sure everybody knows. And I want to make sure Jesus knows these three things. And the first thing is this. God says, this is my son. God looks at you and he says, you are my son. You are my daughter. You're mine. You are mine. You belong to me. You're special to me. God says that he cares about you that you're chosen, that you're unique, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that before you were ever born, God knew you. He put you in this time. He put you in the family that you're in. He put you in the job that you're in. He wanted you to be in the house, in the area, like he has a plan and a purpose for your life. He made you so special. And he says, you are mine. This is what acceptance looks like. God's saying to Jesus, I want you to know you're accepted. I want you to know you're mine. You're accepted. Because when you know that you're accepted, then you can have faith and you can have confidence and you can step into whatever it is that God wants you to do. So the first thing that he says to Jesus is that I want you to know you are mine. A couple years ago, um, my son was in, I think, third grade. And I got a call that something had happened in PE class. And so I was like, well, what, what happened? And they're like, he got punched in the face. And I was like, oh. And they're like, yeah, um, we, we got it all handled and everything like that. I'm like, well, what, what happened? They're like, well, we can't really give you the details. So I'm having this moment. It's like, I'm a pastor of a church. I don't want to go into a school and look like a psycho, right? I mean, let's just, let's just be real. Um, <laughs> There's all these people that are there at the school that know me, know I'm a pastor and everything, but this is my son. I'm at the school. I'm talking to the principal. I'm saying, what's going to happen? This is inappropriate. What's going to go on? I'm saying, this is my son. And there's an attribute about God that maybe you don't realize this or not. But God will fight for you. God will go to battle for you. Even in the most difficult times, even when it looks like the enemy is, is, is coming at you, like in the book of Exodus, it's like the Israelites, they're crossing over on the Red Sea and they're walking on dry land and they look back and the Egyptian army is coming for them. And they're saying, I, we should have stayed in Egypt. We're all gonna die. They're in the middle of a miracle. The Red Sea has been parted. They look back and Moses has to speak faith to them. And I'm speaking faith to you. This is Exodus 14, 14. I'm going to skip all the way down to the bottom. And it says, the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Because you are a child of God, God will fight for you. He will do battles for you. You just have to stand still. You just have to stay in that place that says, God, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. I don't know how this is going to work out, but because you are a child of God, he will fight for you. He will go on your behalf. Even when it looks scary, it looks like, I don't know how this is going to work out. You stay close to God. And he's like, you're mine. You're my daughter. You're my son. 
I'm going to fight for you. So that's the first thing that he says to Jesus. The second thing he says is whom I love. God says he loves you. God says he loves me. You are loved. If you ever question whether or not God loves you or not, you can know that you know that you know that you know God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. You are precious to him. You're so important to him. He loves you. You're uniquely made. So when there's 10 things in your life that are all going berserko and you're wondering, well, God surely can't love me. He surely doesn't care about me. He surely doesn't see me. He sees you. He sees you. He loves you. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. This is affection. You know, science has done a lot of studies about affection and physical touch. I was researching a couple articles and the New Yorker said this, that regular hugs have been found to lower a person's heart rate and blood pressure. Affection actually helps children's emotional well-being. And it's just as beneficial for the person giving the hug as it is for the person receiving the hug. The very first thing that happened when my wife gave birth to all of our children was that they, they took, it was a baby, it didn't look very much like it, but they took the baby and they just put it skin to skin. It's like, that's what the baby needs right now, skin to skin. You are loved, you are loved, you are loved, you are loved. So you always need to know that you know that you know you are loved. You are loved. There's nothing that can change that. The Bible says neither height nor depth nor any darkness nor anything in all creation can separate you from the love of God. There's nothing you can do that can separate you from the love of God. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And he's like making sure everybody knows, Jesus, you are loved. And the last thing he says, in whom I am well pleased. God looks at you today and he says, you're my son, you're my daughter. I not only love you, but I'm pleased with who you are. Not about your performance, not about your church attendance, not about how much money you give or how much money you earn. It's not about that. It's not about how pretty your hair is or how ugly your hair is or what you're weighing or what you're not. It's not, no, it's just about who you are. God is pleased with who you are. He made you. He wants you to know that. You don't have to perform for him. You don't have to complete this huge to-do list. He wants a relationship with you. This is what affirmation looks like. God is saying, I am pleased with who you are. I am so pleased with who you are. You are chosen. You are special. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And he's pleased with who you are. A pastor was telling a story about when he got a call late at night and he got a call at 11 o'clock on a Saturday night, which you never want to get that call. Any parent, you don't want to get that call. And it was the police that said, hey, we, we have your son, him and a couple of his friends. We, they're drinking, um, drinking and, and all that. So we need you to come, come pick him up. His son was 17. So there's three boys. So son, he's the pastor. He's, he's leaving his house. He goes, he sees the boys. And as he's rolling up on the scene, one dad got there ahead of him. And one dad has his son over here. And this dad is like laying into his son, cussing him, telling him how dumb he is. What do you think? All, all this kind of stuff. So as he's passing by that moment, he's like, this is a big boy parenting moment. What I say next is pretty important. And he sees his son and his son has tears in his eyes. 
And he just looks right at him and he, he says, I love you. I love you. And you've never needed me more than what you need me right now. And that son just kind of collapsed in his chest. And his son just says, dad, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I was so stupid. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And this pastor said, this does not define you. This is not who you are. You are chosen. You are loved. I love you. I care about you. This doesn't define you. This isn't who you are. It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Like his dad, his dad was able to rise above the failure, rise above the mistake and say, I am pleased with who you are. You're not a mistake. You're not a failure. You're not one bad decision. You're not a hundred bad decisions. God loves you. God has a plan for your life. God cares about you. There's a purpose. There's something greater that he's called you to do. And if you stay close to him and stay with him, you will have peace. You will have joy. He'll turn it around. He'll redeem the thing. We just heard stories about redemption. Like this is who God is. He's a great redeemer. He's a healer. He's a restorer. And if you stay with him, your life will be full, more full than you could do with anything you could do on your own. Last verse I want to close with is in 1 Corinthians 4, 14. It says, I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Paul is saying, you might be able to read 10,000 articles. You might be able to listen to 10,000 podcasts. You might be able to go online and listen to, to sermons and TED Talks and read books and there, you can do it. There's 10,000 whatever you can listen to. But he's like, it's not the same as a father. It's not the same. It's not the same as having somebody look you in the eye and hug you and say, you're my son, you're my daughter. There's a plan, there's a purpose. God loves you, God will help you, God will redeem you. This isn't who you are. This doesn't define you. Like it's not the same. And Paul said, I've become your father in Christ to help you do everything that you've been called to do. So as people, we need to be spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers and speak into this younger generation and tell them, you are mine. You are mine. You're like a spiritual daughter to me. You're like a spiritual son to me. And you are so loved. You are so incredibly loved. Never, 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 never doubt that you are loved, that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. You are so, so, so loved. And not only are you loved, but he's pleased with you, with who you are, not what you can do, not how you perform, but God is so pleased with who you are. Paul says, imitate me, reach out to this next generation. Take some people, take your kids, take them underneath your wing and make sure they know these things because they can get 10,000 Ted talks, but it's not the same as a spiritual mother, as a spiritual father. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is truth, that the word of God is the will of God, that you love us, that you care for us, that you have a plan and a purpose for our life, that God, your mercies are new every single day. And so we praise you. We worship you. We thank you. Thank you for life change today. Thank you for hearing testimonies of people saying, Jesus has brought me out of some rough spots that Jesus is my choice, that Jesus is the way that I'm going, the life that I'm living. He is everything to me. 
So as your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, maybe you find yourself away from God. Maybe you never even have heard that Jesus wants a relationship with you. I'm not gonna do anything to embarrass you. You don't have to stand up or come to the front, but right there in your seat, if you're saying today's my day to dedicate my life back to God, I'm gonna ask you to do something simple. Take a step of faith and just raise your hand and say, pray for me. If that's you, you're saying today's my day. Pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. Yep, yep, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. Yep, you can put your hands down. God sees your hand, God sees your heart. So let's have everybody at church say this prayer with me. Repeat after me. Say, dear God, I ask you to come into my life and to be my Lord and to be my Savior. I confess that I've sinned, but I ask you to forgive me, to heal me, and to redeem me. Today, God, I give my life fully to you. I will serve you. I will live for you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.
We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take every thought captive. We take it captive. We take it captive. You don't reject it. You grab a hold of it. You look at it, you judge it, and you replace it. This, quite simply, is how you take ground. This is how you change. A lot of the time we're looking for some sort of experience. We're looking for some sort of motivation. We're looking for something significant to happen. We need things to change. We want things to change. I want to feel it. I want to feel the emotion of it. I want it to feel powerful. I want it to be significant. I've done this before. I need something else. You don't need anything else but the word of God. But most of the time we fail to submit ourselves to the truth. We want what God has, but we're not taking heed, as Psalm 119.9 says. Take heed thereto according to your word. Get under the word. Take it seriously. It's warnings. It's instructions. We are to adopt his words. And the only way it works is if you know his words in advance. When the enemy attacks your mind, you fight back with scripture. But if you don't have the scripture, you have nothing to fight with. Whenever you know the word of God, you know how to grab hold of thoughts. You know how to identify them, judge them, and replace them. This is how you change. It is very simple. It just means that you pay attention to this book. You write this book down on note cards, write words down, memorize those words, arm yourself with the word of God. So I close with this. Ask yourself, where are you struggling? Where are you struggling to take ground? What's difficult for you? Don't let the enemy come in and lie to you right now and tell you that there's something completely off and broken about you because it's not true. The power of God is the power of God. God's no respecter of persons. He'll do this for you like he'll do it for anybody else. If you will submit to the word of God, you will take the ground. You will change. You'll look up and go, oh my gosh, that used to be so difficult for me, but it's not anymore. I'm different I don't have an appetite for the things that I used to run to. And the only way that happens is through the word of God and the power therein. Would you bow your heads, please? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your good word. I thank you for your faithfulness to us. I thank you for truth. May it be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord God, I thank you for speaking to us today. May our lives be forever changed because we have submitted to your word. This is possible for us, Lord, because you sent Jesus to live for us, to die on a cross for us, to pay the full price for our sin, to be resurrected for us. This morning, right where we sit, we receive him. We receive his gift. We speak with our mouth that Jesus came in the flesh, died on the cross, was resurrected, we speak it with our mouth. We believe in our heart that we are saved, that salvation was purchased on Calvary. And that gift is freely given. We just have to reach out and grab it. And so I thank you for saving us. Those who are distant from God, I thank you for bringing us near. May we move towards you. May we submit to your word. May we be discipled by you, Jesus. I thank you so much for your goodness to us. I thank you for salvation and the power to change and all of it is built on a foundation of incredible love. You love us too much to leave us here. 
And so we thank you for bringing us along and strengthening us. You have begun a good work in us and you will see it through to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Will you stand to your feet, please? As we dismiss, I'll pronounce a blessing over you and we'll go out and we'll watch the Chiefs win this week. (laughs) May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you. You are dismissed.